Um, we're going to talk a little bit about generosity. And, and as we saw here, about, let's just think of the biblical principle about generosity, which is that generosity is God's nature. And our whole series is about godliness or about the nature of God. So each characteristic that we've talked about, I suppose we're stating the obvious by saying we're talking about it because it's actually God's nature to be generous and to bless. And we've said before, and it's probably worth saying again, that not always is God presented, even to Christians, as a God who likes to bless or be generous. We have talked about the images that are often peddled around about God as an old man in a bad mood with a big stick who just loves to hit us hard. But of course, that's not true. And it's not actually what the Bible says. The Bible says that he is full of grace, full of compassion. He loves to bless. He's a generous God. And that's God's nature. And what we see, therefore, in human beings, because we're made in the image of God, is we see generosity as part of how we are created. So we, like lots of other characteristics, we see these two sides, don't we? We see that we're made in God's image because we're able to be incredibly generous. And we see that we're a fallen people because we manage to be outstandingly mean, all at the same time, all wrapped up in the same package. Do you know what I mean? Honestly, it, it's, it's, you know, it's like getting that box of sweets that has the lovely orange and strawberry, and then it has the coffee one. You know, it, it's, it's like that, it's, it's, it's the same. It's, we, we're, we're capable of both, capable of either. And it, that's the nature of it, but of course, we have to be there. So being generous is like what God is like. But here's the other thing, being generous blesses us too. Like a lot of things, when we display what we were created to be, we are too blessed in the same way. So that's a really exciting thing. And God looks to encourage us to bless by reassuring us that we're not going to do without if we trust in Him. But of course the challenge is often that. God looks to enable us to reach our full potential by not hanging on to things, but by allowing them to not control us. And God has released us because He gives us our possessions. He gives us possessions to use. And here's a question. I just want to talk a little bit about possessions. So about possession, because possession has a key factor in generosity. And I want to just show you a few models of possession. So let's start by looking at the Old Testament model. So it's God's nature to be, to be generous. He loves to encourage us, to bless us, to release us. So here's, here's the Old Covenant model that we think we have, which is this. In the Old Testament, the people of Israel, they had a 10% slice off the top, and everything else after that's mine. That's kind of how we think of it, isn't it? And, and therefore, the 10%, that's not generous. That's, that's to avoid getting hit with a big stick. But the rest of it, if we give any of that, that's out of our generosity. Yes? This is not actually the Old Testament model at all. This is the Old Testament model, which has the top 10%. I hope you can see that. Catherine was helping me with my visuals here, said I could, we could read it. So the first 10%, is the tithe. But then there's another element in the whole law which talks about the obligations 
that people have, that we are obliged. So if you have a harvest, you're obliged to leave the edges for poor people to come and glean. That's not generous. You're required to do that. That if you have a harvest, you're required to leave fields fallow for certain years. You're obliged, if you've bought some, to give them back after 50 years. That's not generous. That's what's required. And all the way through, that if you're in trade, you're expected to lend without charging interest. You're not being generous there. That's your obligation, and so on. And then after that, the bit below is mine. And then, so if you give of that, generous. However, here's the New Testament model, which says that if we belong to Jesus, we're bought with a price. We are not our own. We don't have that. So, we, this is what Paul says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift for Jesus. God gave us a gift, and we were released from slavery. We were released from slavery. What do slaves own? Mm. So, we don't own anything. Jesus has it. That's the truth, that we don't have it. So we are given what we're given. What does Jesus say? I have chosen you to bear fruit, which says fruit that will last. You see that? This is what we say to God, your kingdom come, your will be done, not mine. Fruit that will last. So therefore, we belong to Jesus. We don't have. We belong to Jesus. So everything that we have is God's. That's an interesting line. So, if we then have God's stuff, the old covenant, which is, well, we owe God 10% of his stuff. Can you see the flaw here? That's not the deal. It's all God's. All of it belongs to him. If we belong to Jesus, all of it belongs to him. So, what are we giving it for? We're being given all of this to bear fruit. What does Jesus say? Fruit that will last to invest in the kingdom, as our friend Keith Bowley says frequently, but accurately. That we, what does Paul say? If we sow generously, we reap generously. Why? Because it's not our stuff, and God has possessions that multiply. That's why if we sow what God has given us, we reap generously, which is excellent. We do that to point to Jesus. That's what we were saying, that people give glory to God. We have a gospel. We do that to advance the kingdom. We do that to improve the fallen world. Let's not forget that we're in a world where it's not a good place for a lot of people. Some living in other countries, some living just next door to you and I. We are given of God's abundance because we are expected to impact the world. And we can. It takes very little sometimes, just a word of encouragement. Because remember, we're not just talking here about money and stuff. We're talking about a generous heart, a generous spirit, a generous attitude. And I don't know about you, but you know that image of God, fallen nature, image of God, fallen nature? I find in my attitude, I can be incredibly generous to some people who are frankly irritating and outrageously mean to others at the same time. Can you do that? See, the same men can't multitask. 
but I can forgive and resent at exactly the same time. How clever is that? There's a generosity of heart, a generosity of attitude, a generosity of spirit that is, that's got nothing to do with possessions, it's got nothing to do with cash or time or anything. It's just simply to do with whether or not we are living in the image of God. And sometimes those are the things that actually have the biggest impact, aren't they? Sometimes those are the things that have the biggest impact. So it's fantastic. So our identity is tied up. We, we, it's not what we have, because we don't have anything. The question is, what, do we, what are we doing with what God has given us? So remember the parable of the tenants. Mark and I had a conversation about this, because he was talking about tenants, and, and I was talking to him on the phone about talents. So we, we, we had an interesting debate about this. So the, the parable of the tenant says, whose vineyard is it? Whose vineyard? It's the master's vineyard. Killing off all the servants, treating those who say, can the master have a bit badly, doesn't mean that it's not God's stuff. The parable of the talents, do you remember the parable of the talents? This is, this is in Matthew. You know the three... Two bags get used, one bag gets buried. Do you, do you remember that? Who remembers that? Somebody tell me you can remember that. Thank you. Excellent. Okay, so Jesus teaches it. This is for Christians. This is teaching. Jesus took the disciples aside privately and told them about this. This was for Christians. And he says to them, you take what the Father gives you and you use it. You use it. You invest it. That's what it's for. Sowing generously to reap generously. You don't put it in a hole. What do you call something precious in the bottom of a hole? There's something precious at the bottom of a hole. Guess what that's called? Mine. Yes, you can applaud. It's very good. Yes, you can. Thank you very much. But it is true. The precious at the bottom of the hole, mine. It's not mine. It's not mine. We're told, and it's difficult sometimes to get our heads around this, but we're told that all Christians are, will be called to give account to Jesus for what they have done with what has been given. And this is the question that you will be asked and I will be asked. What have you done with my stuff? That's what we're going to get asked. What have you done with my stuff? And we see the two servants who go, well, I took your stuff, and I took a chance, and I invested, and I sowed, and fancy that because God always gives an increase when we do that. I've got a bit more than I started out with. That's fantastic. The other servant says, I was afraid. So I put it in a hole in the ground. I was afraid. And there is the difference between it all belongs to God and it all belongs to us. There's lots of great stuff in Proverbs about this. About the, the more a man's wealth increases, the greater his worries are. Is a, is, a, is a verse in Proverbs, that the more we think it's mine, the more worried we become about it. The less we think it's ours, 
the less worried we are about it. We can spread it about. And it is an interesting thing that goes like that, isn't it? And there are the things that possession has an impact on generosity. Possession has an impact on generosity. And that's quite important. So I just wanted to put that. So we want to talk about three types of generosity. There are three types. Uh, sorry, not three types of generosity. Three, yes, three types of generosity, all bound up in what it is, what we have. The first one talks about natural possession. So in other words, take God out of the equation entirely. Let's take a purely atheistic view about this. Everything I've got, everything I accumulate, everything is mine. It all belongs to me. I choose what I do with it. I have and no one can say otherwise. I choose to whom I give and don't give. I choose to stop and start. I may, I, so all of those. I might put conditions. I might not. I might do all of those things. That's, and that, in a way, you'd say, well, what's wrong with that? And the answer is nothing at all. Nothing at all. And in fact, some of that carries over into the Bible. All right, Rick Warren, who runs a big church in America, who, who quite frequently talks about giving and says, if you're not happy about giving to our church, I really don't want you to give. Because God loves a cheerful giver, and I want God to love you. So if you're not cheerful about it, don't give it. I don't want to be the cause of your misery. Don't give me this. And I like that attitude because here's the thing, and the same here. Nobody is going to tell you what to do with anything. Bible makes it clear. That's an individual choice, and I have no intentions of doing that here either. And despite what Mark was saying, he was only joking about guilt. It's not the deal. That's not the deal. The issue is that each person decides according to their conscience about what they are going to do. All I want to do today is just give you a few guidelines on whose stuff this is and what it's for. You then decide what you do with it. And I really, really mean that. You decide what, I have no agenda here, genuinely no agenda. And we as a church leadership have no agenda here. We just, the Bible is clear about whose stuff this is and what it's for. Each person has an individual calling so what you choose to do with what God has given you as an individual or as a family, that is genuinely between you and God. I just want you to understand the principle to help you make the decisions that you make. It's one of those where it says, well, there's no right or wrong in this. Well, to some extent, it's true there's no right or wrong in that I can't stand here and tell you what's right and wrong. I, all I know is, is that for us as a family, we can make some, we know what God has said to us, it's challenged to us to obey that. But we do try and do that in the context that it's not our stuff. None of this is mine, I belong to Jesus. When Jesus comes back, and he will, he will take me to be his own. And he will ask, what have you done with my stuff? That's a good question really, isn't it? So there we go. Think about it like babysitting. You know what I mean? If somebody comes back and says, well, where's my child? Well, I was afraid that it would get broken, so I dug a hole. <laughs> I'll just go into the garden and fetch it for you. <laughs> Be fine. A little cold. <laughs> 
So yeah, so here's the second one, which is the old covenant, which is I have a slice, and I give you a slice. I have a series of obligations, whether I like them or not, and all the rest is mine. I may or not, may not choose to give any of it, etc. But that's entirely up to me. Well, here's the answer. It's always entirely up to you. Whichever one it is, it's all entirely up to you. And the third one is, we don't have possessions. It all belongs to God. Everything is there to point to Jesus, to bring God's kingdom in, your kingdom come. Remember, that's what we pray. And to serve others so that we live differently. So here are the guidelines. We know Scripture tells us so, so generously. That's what the Bible tells us. Bless God's people. Oh, bless everybody else too. Don't worry that you're going to do without because God will look after you. These are the things. Who here? You don't have to tell me what it is, but hands up. If you have a testimony that God has provided for you when you weren't sure, who here has got a testimony of that? Okay, so the thing is, here's God's plan. He's luring you into a sense of false security because the next time you're in risk, he's planning to let you down. No, he isn't. Why do we act like that, including me? I look back at all God's provision. The next time I'm under pressure, I worry. I worry like he's totally forgotten me. When's he ever going to do that? Do you know what I'm saying? Do you understand what I'm saying? Here we are. So Scripture tells us the Holy Spirit drives us, and that, that I can't do for you. The Holy Spirit will challenge you about where you need to be generous. The Holy Spirit will challenge you and me about where we're being a bit mean. I can't do that. No one else can do that. It is wrong for people to stand at the front of churches and tell you to give or not give. I don't really believe that that's what church leadership is about. It's about you understanding your identity in Jesus and making decisions between you and God about how you invest and how you operate. Genuinely, that's how it is. But the more generous that we are, the more joyous we become. And that's what's really exciting about it. So just to sum up, generosity is God's nature. The more generous we are, the more we display the nature of God, which is what we were, let's face it, created to look like. Generosity is an attitude. It's not an action. It's not legalistic. That's not a solution. Generosity is about what goes on in here and then comes out. It's an overflow of the Spirit and not an outworking of a legal obligation. That's old covenant. Praise God, we are not in the old covenant because I'd be at least one snip short of salvation if it was an old covenant, just to let you know. But no, salvation is for the Gentiles. Are you following that, Julie? You're looking confused. Okay, thank you. It's probably not an appropriate Sunday morning reference, but uh, it's in the Bible, what can I say? So anyway, yes, we're not old covenant, we're new covenant. Praise God. Yes, praise God. <sighs> but it's an attitude. It's going on inside. We have to do that. And it's, if we don't talk about the last element within generosity, it's this. Part of that attitude is gratitude. Oh, we are grateful for what God has given us. We are grateful for the way that we've been blessed. We are grateful for all that surrounds us, and we give out of gratitude. And if we're not grateful, 
It's difficult, isn't it? Because if we're not grateful, it's usually because we think we haven't got enough, or it didn't come from God, it's all our own efforts, or that somehow we are missing out and others have more. Then it's difficult to be grateful, isn't it? But if we're grateful, we're cheerful. So generosity, therefore, is a lifestyle. We live differently. We don't put our security in what we own because we don't own anything. We look out for opportunities to bless because that's what it's for. That's what we've got all of this for. We try and cultivate a generous attitude. Attitude is all important in this. And we learn to give cheerfully because we're grateful. Simple, isn't it? So, all of this we do because we serve Jesus, we follow Jesus, and we serve others. That's our deal. We follow Jesus, and we serve others. And you know we make a difference in the world just quite simply because we choose to live differently. And a generous heart is something you will see all over the world, Christian and not. But selling out for Jesus so that all I have is for God's kingdom doesn't, by the way, mean that God is planning to starve you to death. I'm, I'm just pointing this out. But it's about our attitude. That is what generates us to live differently. And people then see Jesus through us.